We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! A lot of things happening here this evening, I can tell you that much. If you want to get in touch with the show via email, this is how you can do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you need to get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, uh, typically... We and we're doing a little bit of uh, show jockeying, if you will, as far as what you're going to be seeing on the show uh, from time to time. Uh, some new stuff, a lot of uh, old stuff, or stuff that you've become accustomed to will still happen. Uh, but we do have some new things. We're going to take Max Good, who's found normally in the fourth Tuesday of the month, and he's going to go. I got to get this thing. Um, he's going to go once a quarter. So that's first and foremost. I want to make sure that we're utilizing him in the best way possible. And I think that giving him time in between visits, I mean, it's, you know, once a month seems like it might be spaced out quite a bit, but when you are doing grill reviews and smoker reviews and all this other stuff, you know, month isn't that much time if you're really putting in the work, really putting in the effort in order to make sure that these write-ups are solid, that you're able to go ahead and give your unbiased opinion on what you think is good and what you think could be changed, tweaked, and or otherwise. So I wanted to move him off to once a quarter. So Max will return in March. We haven't set the date yet uh, as far as you know, once a quarter every third Tuesday or once a quarter every fourth Tuesday or whatever, but we'll work on that as well. So no Max Good this evening, but in his place, a book writer, a TV show host, a social media maven. She was just in the Buckeye City. I'm from here. It's what the shirt says, at least. Hardcore carnivore Jess Priles will be joining us, so looking forward to catching up with her. She did a lot of cool testing and a pretty rapid 24, maybe 36 hours, definitely not more than that, down at the Certified Angus Beef location in Worcester, Ohio. So we'll talk about what she did. Also, I believe just today announced pre-orders for the book, Hardcore Carnivore, are out. I believe there's two different versions, an Australian version, and now this one that will be available in the United States. So we'll Talk to Jess about the book writing process, what one can expect from the effort if you're looking to get into that. Also, where you can buy it. Of course, pre-orders usually found on Amazon.com, but we'll find out all the inners and outers from Jess Pryles. Maybe some hunting stories, too. Everybody loves hunting. 9.35, we continue our KCBS Board of Director hopeful interviews. This week, we find... The pitmaster of slabs of approval. He's been on this show a couple times. Uh, once as kind of the uh, up and coming younger generation, or who's the next generation of barbecue pitmasters? That would be Brent Richardson, KCBS hopeful and slabs of approval pitmaster. Nine thirty-five. Then we'll roll in the second hour, the fourth Tuesday of the month. In the second hour, finds of course one of the most popular recent segments of this show. 
The embedded correspondence segment was Steve Ray, Doug Scheiding, and David Huff. So stay tuned for that as well. That's what's happening on the show this evening. Again, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com if you want to jump in. Uh, let me ask you for a favor right now, regardless of the platform that you're using, and this is really just going out to the podcasters, I guess. Please take the time to rate and review this show. That helps bump up the visibility in your particular platform. So find out wherever it is, whether you use the Google Play or whether you use iTunes or whether you use a website to get your podcast. However you do it, please rate and review this show. Find that space. Give me a rate and review. I can take one stars. I can take five stars. I can take all stars. It doesn't matter. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm a big boy. I understand not everybody likes everything. That's cool. But rate and review, all of them help, believe it or not. So looking to get more eyeballs here. But appreciate your help on that. So we are back live this evening. That's right. Last week was a new show. I don't want anybody to lose sight of that. The fact that we pre-recorded is just my way of going... I think I might have missed two shows this whole calendar year. That's too, too many as far as I'm concerned. And I wanted to make sure that while I wasn't, potentially wasn't going to be in a great frame of mind to put together the normal show of awesome as it relates to live fire cooking, I wanted to have something new for you to chew on over the course of the next seven days. So I spent the week before that pre-recording the segments with Stephen Reichlin, with Jason Coles, with David Lee, big voice. I mean, how awesome was that interview? It sounds like he's constantly reading copy for a commercial. So last week was brand new, although pre-taped. This week, live as live can get, not pre-taped. The good news is that aside from the uh, ear procedure being a, at this point, raging success, the pain, nowhere near that I thought it was going to be when I really started the recovery process Saturday, Sunday. I was like, did they really do anything in my ear? There was and continues to be no ear pain, although today it's itching like crazy. But you would figure if somebody's going in with a diamond encrusted drill bit and boring out portions of your ear and taking out clostiotoma. That sounds like it might be cancerous, but I was assured it's not. It's a fancy name for skin cyst. Skin cyst doesn't sound fun to say, but Clausiotoma does. So that was taken out. There were uh, other things put in place. And I'll get into all of the particulars in the top of the second hour. But for the amount of time that he was in there and for what was done, the lack of overall pain is absolutely incredible, and I'm not going to sit here and complain for the lack of pain, but I am so grateful that there hasn't really been any type of ongoing, lingering, consistent, throbbing ear canal pain whatsoever. Not only that, no dizziness whatsoever. I mean, for aside from just kind of bleeding out of my ear, which, again, that's to be expected. And I'll get into why here in a minute. I have to keep a uh, cotton swab in my ear that's 
fully lubricated with bacitracin, which is some kind of a Vaseline antiseptic of some sort or whatever. Keeps infection out. Not antibiotic, but you know what I'm talking about. It helps heal cuts. It's got that stuff. It's kind of like that first aid spray you used to put on your knee when you'd scrape it as a youth. So aside from that inconvenience, no dizziness, no pain. So I'm either very lucky that the doctor was that good or I'm just very lucky. By the way, I'll take both if it so happens. So I do want to thank everybody that took time to reach out over the course of last week after they heard the show was pre By the way, some people thought that the show was actually live, live. <laughs> I mean, are you people paying attention when you're watching on the video? I went through like four costume changes over the course of the show last week. I had four different shirts on. I had a sweater. I had a maroon t-shirt. I had a white t-shirt at one point. I had a dress shirt on at another point because I'm taping at all various points of the morning, afternoon, and evening as the guests could line up. So that was kind of funny. Some people thought it was live. Not live. But hey, we are live now. And by the way, if you are watching on uh, Facebook... If you leave a comment in Facebook more than, I think, five words, let me uh, check where the parameter is. Uh, Yeah, four words. If you leave it more than four words, then uh, I have a couple operators in the background that will see. They'll kick it over to me. We can put it up on a board. We can answer it. So we kind of have a Facebook chat thing going. So go ahead and ask any questions you might have for my guests coming up here. Jess Pryles coming up out of the break. I want to talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. Even though it's winter, we're still outside and grilling and having a great time. It's wonderful. And you know, nobody has any better products than David Bosca out there at Butcher Barbecue right now. Of course, the grilling oils, all the seasonings, all the injections. And, of course, that sweet, sweet barbecue sauce, which I absolutely love. When I don't have mine ready to go, I reach for a bottle of Dave's each and every time. And since I live in a house full of women, you know, women have very discerning barbecue palates. Too much smoke, overdone, underdone. I don't like that. That's too spicy. That's too sweet. The Butcher's Barbecue Sauce is winning not only in my palate, but in a house full of women as well. So that's saying something. As a matter of fact, here's what I would say. Get a box of six because it's going to go really fast. Not only is it really good by itself, right out of the bottle on its own, you can also use it as an incredible base where you can start building flavor profiles on top of that as well. Of course, Grilling Addictions is the newest seasoning out there. That's available for ButcherBBQ.com. And lastly, Dealers Wanted, if you currently own a barbecue and grilling supply store and you don't carry the barbecue lineup that's offered by Butchers, what are you waiting for? Hit up ButcherBBQ.com, request information on how to become a dealer for them today. Not only will Dave thank you, but your customers will reap the rewards by getting these fine products in their hands for them to try for themselves. These products extensively tested in both the backyard and on the competition trail, so you know they're going to deliver on the goods. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Check out all the products. You'll be happy you did. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. All right, we are back with Jess Pryles coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back.
broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Champion Pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. You can, too, commit to cooking with Smithfield. This 2018 barbecue season, you'll receive smoke and swag just for participating. There's a few requirements. Pay a small shipping fee of 25 bucks and be a member of the sport's major sanctioning bodies. Be sure to come back and track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Walk-In with Smithfield Incentive Program. More information on that coming soon. Once a Smithfield Committee cook, show us your Smithfield by hashtagging show us your Smithfield on Facebook and the Instagrams limited to 500 people. So, you know, not too bad. Let's get it on. All right, my first guest tonight is a writer, a cook, a TV show host, a professional hardcore carnivore. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Jess Priles. Jess, how are you? Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. There she is. Wow, you are like racking up frequent flyer miles, the likes I have rarely seen here over the last number of months. I mean, you've been out of the country. You've been floating around this country. What's it like to be a professional hardcore carnivore these days? You know what? There are worse jobs in the world. I like this one quite a bit. Um, so, but I will tell you, I just spent four days in Mexico, and I, I realized, because uh, I was looking through the passport stamps, that it was literally the first vacation, like the first non-business-related travel that I've taken in seven years. And you've done, so you did no business in Mexico? Hustle. You did no business? Did no business except eat a bunch. I mean, I got inspired from the food. But there was nothing, there was no side gig, there was no ulterior motive, there was no, oh, I must do this for content while I'm here. It was like, put me on the beach and smell you later. <laughs> so innately, is it makeup for you, Jess, where you're just a grinder, you got to have something to do during the course of the day, and it was more weird to take time off and recharge, or well-deserved after seven years of grinding? I, I mean, I think it was well-deserved, but I, I think maybe it's, you know, other people who are hard workers can empathize, and it might just be a fear of missing opportunity as well. You know, there's constantly stuff on the go. I know I'm lucky enough to speak to you a couple times a year, and you see sometimes I, it's hard for me to even remember what all I've got going on, and it feels like I'm not doing much, but I know I don't have any spare time. And then when I start rattling off the list, like, well, yeah, I run a seasoning company, and I have merchandise, and I have a smoker with my name. I'm designing a fire pit, and I have a cookbook coming out. And, oh, there's actually quite a bit going on. Okay. Jess Priles joining me here on the Sorry. show. com is her website. Also on the social media haunts at Jess Priles, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. When were you approached to come to the Buckeye State of Ohio? Ah, I was, I, that got, uh, that conversation started in June at the American Meat Science Association Reciprocal uh-huh. Meat Conference, uh, where Diana Clark, who's one of the meat scientists that works for Certified Angus Beef Brand, um, we were there and we started hatching this plan off the back of a, uh, one of the presentations and we just, we, I was kind of showing her and Demelza Lalback, who's one of the, the meat ladies from Australia, all of these comments that I'm getting and, and this one particular guy decided to, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to pick my words wisely here because sometimes I look at this thing and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, dude. But uh, he decided to give me his unsolicited opinion on why he cooks fat cap down on a reverse flow smoker. <laughs> and so I said to Di, hey, you know, I'd really like to do a series of experiments that kind of definitively <laughs> uh, give an answer, you know, and people will keep their opinions no matter what, but I'm big into meat science. You know, once you understand the science of cooking, everything makes sense. The thermodynamics, the relationship to salt, the relationship of temperature. So we kind of devised a plot to do kind of these experiments, and they're, they're semi-casual. They have a cool facility out there in Worcester, Ohio, mm-hmm. by Angus Beef. But, um, you know, obviously, and, and Di is a meat scientist. She's, she's a graduate, and Michael Ollier, their exec chef, was in on it too. And uh, so... There were some things that we could perform, like being a scientist, you had some pretty good controls and everything was notated and we did shear force tests, but it's obviously not the same as when a university <laughs> publishes, you know, a uh, a study. Right. However, we did fat cap up and fat side and fat cap down, and we did um, uh, hot and fast versus low and slow, and we also did another test regarding the membrane on ribs mm. and uh, whether or not things actually penetrate through it, should you remove it, should you not. Kind of like busting all these wives' tales. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff. There's actually a paper that I'm halfway through reading because it's fully, you know, scientific jargon. So it's a, little bit, it's a little bit cumbersome to get through. But they actually found that we've always been told that fat doesn't actually enter the meat, you know, that, that basting, fat basting itself doesn't actually happen. But uh, this study suggests that once the meat starts cooking and those fibers start separating, that that creates room for the rendering fat to enter. So technically speaking, you would get a more tender brisket cooking it fat side up. So you're saying thing. you're saying that when they heat up, then the fat from the so the fat cap, which is always the big argument, is actually able to seep from the top down through the meat. Yeah, so this, this really? study, um, they, they found that, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. That, that this wasn't our study. This was an actual proper, I think A&M University did it, Texas A&M, um, found that that was the case, that, that the fat had room now to manifest within the meat itself. But our study, we did a, a shear force test. The Warner Bradsville shear force is a machine that measures tenderness of meat. Um, and we mainly did sensory panels. So we had a whole bunch of different staff, and it was all blind tasting, all cut from the same area, A and B, two samples of each, didn't eat beforehand, you know, and the meat wasn't seasoned. And one of the things that we found, um, I'll actually be presenting this in full at the MBBQA conference, but what, the interesting thing about, for example, the hot and fast versus low and slow it, it was as you would expect. Low and slow was much more tender. However, the flavor on the hot and fast was a little bit better because you got those roastier profiles from the higher temperatures. So, for example, if you were if you were a um, and and low and slow, uh, hot and fast was rating three hours. Low and slow took nine hours for this particular brisket. So, if you were a, a restaurant that was looking to, for example, just create chopped beef sandwiches. When you're looking at a three-hour cook time instead of a nine-hour cook time, considering you're chopping it anyway, right? That could be a good answer for you. You know, so there were some interesting bits and pieces that came out of that. What are you using to cook on? Uh, they have a um, they have a cook shack rotisserie um, pellet cooker that is 
No, no, no. It's primarily gas, and it has uh, you uh, space to put wood into it, so it's sort of like wood flavoring rather than wood fired. Mm-hmm. And they have a ceramic. They have a primo. Um, and then um, for the for the ribs, for example, the test that we did, we just did an oven because it wasn't about the smoke, but it was really interesting because we used nitrates, which as ever, as your listeners may know, turn meat pink, just like you see in pastrami or bacon or what have you. So it shows you nearly how far in something travels. So we used nitrates in the rub to see if the membrane could be penetrated, for example, and then just to cook them because we were just trying to see if, how the membrane would react. We did those in the oven like a combi oven because the smoke wasn't relevant at that time and we didn't want any... Um, we didn't want any, any result from the smoke ring interfering with the nitrate ring mm-hmm. so we could see it properly. So, yeah, it was, it was really, really neat, really, really neat, and I think I'll be back there later this year. And I built a snowman for the first time. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, didn't Texas <laughs> get, like, totally – Didn't Texas totally get snowed on, like, a couple weeks ago? It did, but see, I was actually out hunting when that happened, and so where I was, we got snow, but it didn't stay, and of course, when mm. I wasn't in Austin is when the whole ground was covered in snow, but it was pretty neat, because I got my first axis in the middle of a, a snowfall, which was my first ever snowfall, too, so that's pretty neat. So, is is snow easily, like, hey, it's very novel, it's cold, and I'd rather go back to never seeing it, so, you know... The better question is, once you see it the first time, is that enough for life? No, it's not enough for life, but it's enough to never want to live in it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'll ever go north of Texas. It's novel and it's fun and what have you, but I've got too much work to do to be, you know, impeded by by inclement weather. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, one last question. In regards to that membrane study, I assume you found that Mm -hmm. the membrane off was better than membrane on or no it wasn't about membrane on and off or or, on or off because the thing is this with beef ribs a lot of people actually leave it on because they need it to adhere the meat otherwise it's too fall off the bone because Uh the the amount of meat on top is disproportionate so they need that Mm. to hold the rack of ribs together um my my hypothesis which is quite difficult to prove but will make sense to your listeners is this i think people think that the membrane stops seasoning adhesion or stops seasoning getting through, where it's not actually that it stops it getting through, it's like this. If you rub a membrane off rack and a membrane on rack with seasoning, the membrane, the, rib, uh, the rack with the membrane taken off will hold nearly double as much seasoning, right? And we're talking about the bottom of the ribs here. Right. And if you watch anyone ever pick up a pork rib and eat it, they pick it up so that the bottom of the bone is facing their tongue. So that's the first thing that hits your tongue. Hmm. So if you've got something that has double as much seasoning because you've taken the membrane off just because of sheer adhesion, of course it's going to give you the impression that it's more seasoned. But it's because it can hold more seasoning. It, once you take the membrane off, it's just a slick surface. Yeah. So without the membrane, it holds better, that's all, because what we found, it's, there's a little slight difference, but basically they both still penetrated. But do people eat the, do people eat the membrane? They penetrated. 
Um, so I mean, some people leave it on, and then there's a whole thing, just like with your burn ends war of like, oh, it's lazy. But you know, some folks like the kind of crispy, weird paperiness of it, just like places like Rendezvous in Memphis, or you know, they're not smoked ribs; they're charbroiled, and and that's what they claim to be, and it's a completely different flavor profile and stuff like that. So. Mm. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I, I mean, I uh, so I'm trying not to be a snob, but I just can't help myself. So whenever I'm out eating from somebody that isn't me, barbecue-wise, I always flip, if I get ribs, mm-hmm. I flip over, and I immediately look for the membrane. And if it's there, I just, I mean, it's much easier to take off after it's cooked, right? So I just take my finger and whoop, slide it right off, and, and that's it. So maybe I'm taking spice away, but I refuse to eat it. Yuck. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want to eat it and you don't like the texture, that's your personal prerogative. I mean, most folks don't eat it anyway, you, you know, because you're eating the meat off the top of the rib. There's yeah. not really much left at the bottom. But I, I don't think it's necessarily the the domain of a lazy cook. It it makes more sense. You're eating the meat off the top. So unless you're doing competition where every square, you know, millimeter needs to be seasoned, I, I don't I don't think it's as criminal an offense as people make it out to be. Jess Pryles joining me here on the show, JessPryles.com, her website. Uh, Jess, am I mistaken to say that today is the first day that the new book is available for pre-order on Amazon? Uh, Yeah, it just got released for pre-order on Amazon. Today's the first day that I sort of revealed what makes the American version so different because, of course, it's been out in Australia and the U.K. um, since late last year. But um, Wait, are we giving giving a... Are we giving a, uh, a barbecue news update? Yes. Hold on. Indeed. A barbecue central show exclusive news update. All right. This is Greg Rampey reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, with Jess Priles in Texas, ready to report a breaking news item. Go ahead, Jess. Thank you. I am pleased to let you know, as the first media, that Tuffy Stone, the professor, um, actually wrote the foreword to my book, Hardcore Carnival, which is out February 27th. Really? So, uh, yeah, it's available for pre-order on Amazon. It's available pre-order, signed edition on my website. It's going to be a big month. I got a, here's another exclusive. There's a new rub coming out (laughs) next month, too. Wow. So, Greg, I'm just making it rain here. What is it going to be? Uh, Hardcore Carnivore... Uh, I, I, brown? I name, the name is not going to be... It's actually... Okay, so it's not named after a color. Uh-huh. And it has a completely different purpose from any rub that I've ever come across. Because hmm. you know I like to be an innovator, right? Yeah, well, we don't want to... You know, we don't want to get lost in the noise, as we always talk about, which is something that I wanted to talk to you here in terms of a book. So, uh, just like I said, we've talked about white noise on the show in the past, basically seeing a market that has an abundance of items that are similar and how to stand out effectively in that crowd. Now, for whatever reason, books Mm -hmm. don't seem like they have the same issue as a rub or a sauce. People want to have that tactile reference guide to access and cook alongside with. And certainly there have been any number of barbecue cookbooks over the past five or six years or so. And it, of course, goes on after that. But what style is your book, and what can a prospective pre-orderer expect when they get their hands on it? Uh, the first thing that they should know is that it's not exclusively a barbecue book. Uh, the tagline of the book is, Cook Meat Like You Mean It, 
And although I am a huge fan of barbecue um, and a huge uh, practitioner of the arts, mm-hmm. um, practitioner of the arts rather, um, I wanted to create a book where the protein is cooked in a manner that best suits the protein. So the book is divided into two sections, the fore quarter and the hind quarter. And the fore quarter is a, a whole bunch of information that's still easy to read because I found with myself when I would get books and they would try and sort of have too much information up top or up the front end, I would be like, oh, this is really good that someone's written all this and then just kind of never read it. So I tried to make the information as concise and punchy as possible, but include everything that's relevant. So it goes over temperature, the relationship with salt, a a few basic points on meat science, um, how to set up a grill for two-zone cooking. So if you're a complete newbie and this is the first book you've picked up, uh, you know, I mentioned the tagline is cook meat like you mean it. So maybe you just know that you enjoy steak and are ready to take it to the next level. This will take care of it. And if you're someone who already enjoys cooking, there will still be maybe some other tips in there, like how to spatchcock a chicken, how to um, truss a, um, a rolled loin. Um, and the second part of the book, the hindquarter, is all the recipes. And there's about 100 recipes, and it's split into the proteins. So we go through, you know, uh, poultry and game and lamb and beef and pork and a few side dishes and a couple of what I call foundations and finishes. So everything from stocks to Cabernet or Shiraz salt. Um, to, um, you know, barbecue sauces and marinades and all that kind of stuff. So the recipes are everything from very approachable, simple things like the best chicken fried steak you've ever had through to more challenging um, and, and unusual recipes like sumac roasted chicken. All right, so that's available starting today for pre-orders. So check it out on Amazon or go to Jess Pryles' website, of course, JessPryles.com. Uh, talk to me in the next couple minutes about this new rub that you were talking about and, and why is it such a departure for you? Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say too much yet because <laughs> I'm still uh, waiting to hold it in my hot little hands, which should happen tomorrow. Mm. Um, I've obviously had, had all the testers, but the first batch arrives tomorrow, so you can start seeing it filter down. But um, basically, it's, it's designed as, always to be MSG-free and gluten-free, but it's something that can be added to existing rubs. Mm. It can be used on its own as popcorn seasoning. You can mix it with sour cream to create a dip. It's basically a giant savory bomb. Hmm. Um, and I'm trying not to use the word umami because I also think that that's a little bit alienating and not everybody is aware of what that is. But when this product drops, and you see the name, and you understand the ingredients, it's going to make a lot of sense. And this is going to be released on your website at some point this month, then, or uh, next month? Yeah, it's going to be on hardcorecarnivore.com. I'll talk about it on my website, but um, the the rub by itself now has such an amazing following, and I'm so lucky. And, you know, I've got black and I've got red right now, and red's been doing really well in the comp world. Um Boys Barbecue, Corey Mice out of Temple, Texas, came first place ribs at the American Royal Invitational using it. And Ernest Cervantes, who's been doing a bunch of stuff, is just loving it. He cooked with Fred uh, Robles at uh, the World Food Championships, and yep. they were on the winning team. Hmm. Um, and, and Hardcore Red was um, involved in that, too. So Rio Valley Meats, um, from having Ernest on the team. It's really cool when, when these guys send me a message and say, hey, 
you know, you, you were involved. This stuff is amazing. We haven't seen anything like it before. So they've been doing really well, and I've had requests for, like, you know, can you do a hot version of Red? And I just, I've got the prototype sitting there, and I've held off because I really want to put out a rub that's really different. I want to keep putting out products and merchandise and items that contribute to the meat community and the barbecue community in a different way instead of just making more noise. Got it. Uh, Jess Priles is who we're talking to. Again, you can find her website, jesspriles.com. Also, hardcorecarnivore.com if you want to check out and kind of follow along with when that new rub is going to get released. As always, Jess, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. You bet. I'm glad you're on the mend. Thank you. Appreciate that. I can hear, kind of. All right. We'll talk to you later. There she is, Jess Priles, the hardcore carnivore. New rub coming out. Wow, that was a complete exclusive. I didn't realize there was a new rub coming out. I knew about the book. Did not know about the rub. The rub, which is also a barbecue podcast. Welcome to the rub. Again, that book available for pre-order right now at Amazon.com. Search probably Jess Priles or just go to Jess Priles' website, and I'm sure there's a link there for the pre-order. Pop it in the show notes as well. If you're listening on podcast, don't worry about that. The NBBQA's three-time tool of the year is the CHOPS Power Injector System. Each of these patent-pending CHOPS Power Injector Systems feature not one, not two, but four evenly spaced needles at the perfect distance for even injecting. It also comes with three plug screws, so you can use fewer needles or change your spacing to get around the bones. That's versatility. The number one seller is the half-gallon CHOPS power injector system. Designed for competitions or to pump up the backyard warrior. Easy to use, clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't have to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, a needle protector. This one's 100 bucks plus you pay shipping anywhere. Then you have the option to check out the one gallon chops power injector system designed for catering bigger jobs some use it like in the memphis and may competition if you're doing a whole hog or maybe you're cooking 10 shoulders to get that perfect one this one comes with the same amount of stuff that the half gallon comes with it's 120 bucks plus you pay shipping then the newest one the chops full power injector system it's electric it's the commercial and competition big daddy not a holding tank this time but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He has said time and time again that with the Chops full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. This one comes with a whole mess of cool stuff. It's 325 bucks plus you pay shipping anywhere. Top pitmasters in the country and world use the CPI every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. It's not just for meat either. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? Sure, why not? Every injector hand-assembled right there in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. Want to shoot medium ground spices? I got you covered for that, too. Also, if you visit their Facebook page, you can get some handy-dandy tips. And if you think your CHOPS power injector system might be broke or it's not pumping right, there's really not too many moving parts there. Real easy to fix, real easy to troubleshoot. I did it on mine just watching a video. It took five minutes. I was back up and running. It's not broke. You don't have to go buy another one, and you don't have to complain Watch the video by Dan. Go to barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecuekansascity.com. And check out what they got. Get you. You wonder how you ever injected with one needle. Huh. All right, we are back with Brent Richardson right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Let it get on the air. Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you need something big, they got one for you. If you need something medium-sized, I got you covered there, too. How about something to take on tailgates? No problem. They can do that, too. Head on over to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And check out what they're offering. Also have pellets to fire those cookers. Last week, we had our first KCBS Board of Director interview in a long time, but we have our second one in as many weeks. This time, we have the pitmaster of slabs of approval. He would like to talk to you about his platform. Those that are eligible to vote, of course. What's good with KCBS? What would you like to change? Let's race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Brent Richardson. Brent, how are you, buddy? Doing good, man. How are, you, how are you doing? I know you've been uh, you've been out for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I had a little uh, ear situation. We'll talk about that more in the second hour. But uh, back up and at him, uh, no issues. So I uh, appreciate you asking there. Um, I know this isn't your uh, first time on the show, Brent. But for the folks just kind of tuning in tonight, maybe for the first time or haven't kind of gone back through the whole podcast archives, uh, just a little background about yourself, both from a barbecue standpoint and maybe from a professional standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Brent Richardson. Um, I've been a part of, I'm 25 years old. I've actually been a part of KCBS for a good majority of my life. Uh, I have my own team, Slabs of Approval, and uh, we've been cooking since 2006. Before that, I cooked Kids Q from the ages of 5 to 15, and pretty much that um, is a good majority of it. And I'm also a uh, IT person uh, by day and Monday through Thursday. Monday through th- no Friday. Well, you got to go to the contest on Friday. Ah, I know that's right, baby. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, how many uh, competitions are you typically looking to enter over the course of a year, Brent? Um, well, I we typically try to uh, get in at about five, maybe six. Um, I also have a lot on my plate. I'm also uh, doing rep and training, so I'm trying to learn to become a rep. You know. I'm, trying to do everything i can kcbs wise i'm already a judge a cook and you know rep is the next uh next step up uh brent richardson joining me here on the show uh, before we get into your platform brent tell me what's good with the kcbs right now what do you like um i i i, I can't really tell you what i like i mean not all at once now <laughs> hey i mean there's a lot I like, there's a lot I don't like. I mean, if I liked everything, then you know I wouldn't be running for the board trying to make changes. And that's you know, that's a big thing, and I think everybody can agree on that. I think um, we're making a step in the right direction for sure, and the right direction is trying to get some more cooks on that board to focus more on KCBS as, you know, bettering barbecue in the future. Is that kind of what it always is? Is there kind of a, I don't know if it's a, a misconception or a perception that there's not enough cooks on the board it's always other people than cooks uh, I I would agree with that yes it's 
Um, I know there's been a couple of cooks in the past, but it's mostly, um, mostly not cooks. It's mostly judges, uh, friends of judges. And, um, that's the thing is most of the cooks don't want to put in the time because they feel as though they're not going to be heard. And I feel as though that is now needing to change. Brent Richardson joining me here on the show, looking to run for KCBS Board of Directors. All right, Brent, so uh, let's get into platform talk. Uh, things that, I guess, you see that might be uh, deficiencies within the current setup or things that you would like to kind of start to push if you get elected in, uh, things you would like to change, all that good stuff. I'm running on three uh, main topics, and they are, the first one is judging, making judging you know, equal, making it a rule and making it to where all the judges know this. Uh, in my eyes, I see that there are three different ways that judging is happening. Um, each group is different, but the thing is with judging, once you go through one class, you're a judge and that's it. And I don't feel as though that's right because there's been a lot of changes in the past, you know, 15, 20 years that I've been in it. And most of the judges that were, you know, here 10, 15 years ago haven't seen the new changes or they're going by their own, you know, their own thing. And I don't feel as though that's right. So the first thing for sure is making the judging equal. And I've also talked to a lot of cooks and they also agree with that. And that is the judging needs to change. The second thing is um, kids queue. Kids queue needs to be focused more. Um, as a person who grew up doing kids queue, I can tell you that in the generation of the cooks that I cooked with kids-wise, um, my partner Austin Hall, my cooking partner and I, we are one of the two teams that are cooking right now from our generation. And I don't, I don't like that. I want to see kids be excited about cooking, you know, going out there and doing their own teams because barbecue needs to keep going in the future. And it starts with the youth of today, so that's how I started. And that's exactly how I feel things need to do. And then my third thing is bringing KCBS into a 21st century, uh, the technology-wise. Uh, I feel as though we're behind a lot. There's a way we could, you know, adapt getting a uh, KCBS app and furthering ourselves and being easier for cooks and judges to, you know, sign up for a contest or sign up to judge. And there's an easier way to do that, and that is creating an app and also bringing us forward into the 21st century. Uh, Brent, let me take that first item. You said judging needs to change. Uh, I mean, like what specifically would you be looking to uh, fine tune or refine or put into place that would make it better in your eyes? I mean, they've just adopted uh, Mark Gibbs new judging. Uh, I don't even know what the hell you call it program that, uh, you know, is, is supposed to even out the tables but I think if you take a quick look, you know, if you have one table, if the worst table is scoring only one point or two points different than, you know, the best table, or if, you know, the, the best meat is on one table, the worst meat's on another, there's only a point difference between them. I don't know if we've really helped ourselves out that much, right? I, I, I agree with that, and I've seen the program in use, and I will say it is a, a lot better than it was back in the day. I mean, I mean, I can say back in the days, like, you know, a few months ago, but being a judge, I've gone to, you know, contests and you sit at a table and then everyone asks, okay, does anybody know anybody at this table? Is anybody related or married? And then once they find that, find that out, that's when they start moving people. And with the new program, from what I've seen is 
it takes the past contest that, that person has judged and then it puts them in certain places where a table of six is mixed in with, you know, this group of averages, this group of averages, and this group of averages. So it actually kind of evens it out. Now, in my opinion, nothing is ever going to be perfect. Nothing can ever be perfect. There's always going to be someone complaining. There's always going to be a little problem, which that's technology. Technology is never going to be perfect. If it was, you know, no one would ever complain. But there, there, the new program, in my opinion, is helping. Um, what I want to do from a judging standpoint is we set a rule where a six is average. In my opinion, I believe six is a perfect number. Um, most might, you know, agree and most might disagree. Um, we, from six, you move up or down from there and that's how you feel. Now, what I've seen is some groups of judges judge it from nine and go down. Mm -hmm. And then some start from five being average and then going up and down from there. Not everybody was taught the same or they're not doing the same. And what I would like to do, which I feel as though would be really good. And I've talked to a few people and they agree is we start at six, you go up and down and any rule change. If that rule changes or any judge rule change happens, the judges prior to the next year need to either do a class online to see the new rules and recertify, or they go to a new class and recertify because I feel as though taking that first class and not doing anything after that, <laughs> it just, it doesn't work for me. Brent Richardson joining so me. Yeah, absolutely. Brent Richardson joining me here on the show. Um, Brent, how do you, so recertification would just be from a rule standpoint. I mean, uh, you know, I always hear people talk about going online and, and doing all this continuing education and stuff, but you know, in the end, somebody's putting something in their mouth and that's hard to communicate to somebody that this is tender or this isn't, or this is what the, the new benchmark, I think it's something unique that the, the state cooking association has had is, you know, they have a picture of what a target temperature is to shoot for, for steak. Obviously we're talking about kind of two different things here, but there is a visual thing for them to look at and be able to compare to. And if it doesn't meet it, then you're able to score accordingly. Is there something like that for barbecue that you can kind of take it a little bit out of the judge's hands or what their biases are, whether they knowingly are putting them in play or not? Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Steak Association, they give out the steaks, correct? Correct, yes. So, I mean, that, that that's a big difference between KCBS and the Steak Association is they're giving you that meat, and they're giving you that certain meat, which they go beforehand and say it needs to be this temperature, you know, this tenderness, and here's a picture of it. The thing is, we're not all cooking the same briskets or right. the pork or ribs or chicken. So, I mean, that that's the difference is they're cooking one thing, which is steak and steak only, and that's all they need to focus on, and that's why they have a picture. There's there's really no way to keep it out of the judge's hands. And and, and that's an unfortunate thing to say. I know it's probably not helping my cause right now, but <laughs> that, I mean, that's just that's the way it's going to be. There's always going to be a little bit of human error. Um, but the more that we could do it, to where things are even on each table would actually help us in the future, I believe. How are you going to get kids' cues into more events? I agree that there needs to be more of a family brought back, more of a family atmosphere. Kids' cue is certainly something that is really good for that. 
how do you hope to be able to get those better instituted? I, I would like to see some kind of program where if a contest signs up, you know, we give them like, you know, some kind of initiative or like some kind of guarantee for next year where like, you know, if you have a kid's queue, you know, we'll guarantee this or this. I mean, I feel as though if we give the contest, you know, like, Hey, here's, here's something to do for, if you do a kid's queue or, you know I mean? Cause in, in my opinion, if you have a kid's queue, you're going to get more teams because barbecue is a huge family thing. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, that's how I grew up with my mother and doing contests and doing kids queue. You know, that was the one time really like taking out my mom was at barbecue contest, but, uh, no, it, that, that's just what I feel as though needs to happen is they need to tell, you know, contests, Hey, you do this, we'll give you this because kids queue is a huge thing. Like I learned how to cook a lot of food. I can actually, you know, cook for myself and not burn stuff, which is awesome. Um, and the thing is most people that I, went to school with don't know how to do that. And the only reason I know how to do that is because of kids Q. Brent Richardson joining me here on the show. Uh, you had talked about the, you know, in the third portion, bringing technology into the 21st century, having an app, all that stuff. Uh, certainly I can appreciate that as kind of being technology driven here on the show. 25 years old, man. I mean, you are a young dude. There's probably nobody even remotely close to your age that is on that board. I mean, are you anticipating, should you, and oh, by the way, Brent, usually people that show up on this show get elected into the BOD and then they just never talk to me again, but that's a different story for a different day. Do you, I mean, is anybody even remotely close to your age on the BOD? I mean, do you expect that you're going to have a whole tough time just from an age gap potential? I, I do have a feeling that I will have a tough time. Yes, just because I am younger and, you know, I'm, I have an IT background. I do a lot with computers and I see a potential for technology, but most of the people that are on there will, will not see that. And um, I've, I've heard a few meetings in the past about how they want to make the, uh, the bullshit electronic. I believe that would work, but as it was stated in the meeting I heard, there are still a lot of people who do not have access to internet, don't have like, you know, the highest smartphone that still take the paper. And that's why they still are doing paper copies of the bullshit. Hey, guess what? So, yeah, I Time like to leave those gonna... people behind. You can't catch up. You're yeah. out of here, buddy. I mean, we got to drag these people <laughs> kicking and screaming, Brent. I mean, you kidding me? No, I mean, I think is I, you know, I would love for everything to be electronic, but at the same time, are the biggest thing in KCBS is we're losing a lot of members. If you look at that bullshit yeah. that you get in the in the mail or in you know online, they have a little section that says how many members did not resign, and that number is substantial. And that that's the big thing is you know I talked to a lot of people out in the barbecue world, let them know hey I'm running, and the thing is none of them are signed up anymore. They've never resigned, and that that worries me. Brent, let's talk about that real quick. We have a couple minutes left. You know, KCBS says that it is growing. Obviously, it's expanding internationally, and that's certainly for important uh, important for growth overall. But I mean, you see it as well as I do. You go through the events that are supposed to happen this month. You see a lot of them are canceled this year, especially. It was kind of concerning. There was a lot of attrition going on. I mean, aside from a kids' queue, how do you plan on getting more events? to a stabilize and continue and then bring in more for a competition barbecue thing to continue to grow. I feel as though incentive, uh, uh, you know, contest signing up for KCBS, if they're given something 
for like a first year contest. It'd be great if we, you know, if KCSA said, Hey, if you sign up for a second year, we'll make sure, you know, this, this, or this. That is a big thing is we need to give the organizers something in order for them to return. Now for the members, we need them to have a reason to come back. And from what I've seen, most of the people that are there, they're like, why should I do this $40 a month individually, or sorry, $40 a year individually? What am I getting back for that? And that's a good thing is what are they getting back for that? I don't, I honestly don't see the benefit, but I, I still keep paying it because, you know, that's my member number. That's, you know, I'm a judge and it's there for a judge. So that way you can constantly keep judging. So $40 a year keeps you as a judge. What does it do for the cooks? And that's why I want to do something more. I want to do, you know, if you look at the standings online right now, they have different sections for if a team, you know, teams that cook five contests or mm-hmm. less or six to 10. Why not do something at the banquet or, you know, recognize those teams? Why not show them something instead of doing, you know, the team of the year who went and spent the most money with their trailer that drove around all the time because they had all this time off and can do this. Not all of us can do that. And I mean, how does that make you feel as a team who does five contests seeing this and just being like, well, why do I need to pay $40 a year when I'm never going to be like that guy? Do you have any idea what kind of money KCBS might be, you know, I guess a taking in, but what they might be doing to invest into competitions? Are they giving anything to prize pools or or doing anything from a funding standpoint to subsist some of these competitions that get sanctioning with them that you know of? I I don't know of any. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'll probably find out once we're done with this uh, interview, but um I, I don't I don't see any. I honestly don't. Brent Richardson is the pitmaster of slabs of approval and he is running for KCBS Board of Directors. Brent, when is the voting start, my friend? I believe January second. All right, January second. So if you are so inclined, Brent is humbly asking for your vote. Twenty five years old, so he's bringing a fresh viewpoint into that board of directors potentially. Uh Brent, anything else before I let you go tonight? Oh, yeah, for sure. I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brent, the number four KCBS. Um, I will answer any questions that you guys send to me, anything that you want me to bring up to the board if I am elected, I will definitely bring it up. And uh, definitely follow me on there so you can keep up with everything that's going on, and I hope to get your vote next month. Brent, good luck, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. We'll talk to you soon. I will definitely talk to you if I get elected, that's for sure. All right, I appreciate it. There he is. Brent Richardson, he said it. He said he will not leave me hanging should uh, should he get elected. And, of course, as we've always said here on this show, when you show up and you look to get elected, you might get elected. All right. I think we've uh, also resolved the Facebook comments situation, which, of course, is about 56 minutes too late. And exactly what happened is I knew what was going to happen. Guys that are running the back for me, uh, we're going to have to circle up going forward. I know exactly what the issue is, but that's all right. Uh, All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Whether you're a backyard fanatic or a competition pro, Big Papa's has everything you need. Big Papa's known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyards. 
They offer 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. If you're looking to improve the flavor, how about Big Papa Smokers teaming up with Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form the West Coast offense? You know they've dominated the competition world here in that flavor profile over the last handful of years. They also happen to own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce? Well, please, everyone. Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in barbecue in the first place. Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. Are you looking for a versatile smoker easy to use? Try the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa's is the exclusive Mac pellet dealer. They also offer special packages. How about that? Not a fan of pellet cookers? All right. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill is just what you need. It's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. 877-828-0727 or B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, thanks again to Brent Richardson for joining me last segment. Uh, let me get to some of your Facebook questions right here. Uh, Blaine Hunter says, standardize the teaching. Same instructors, same cooks. Teach nationwide. Yeah, look at that, Blaine. That's not a bad idea. Jason Cole said what he learned back in the day to what he does now, totally different. I'm rejecting that one from Steve Ray. Robert Coling is asking, scholarships are a good prize for winning. In bowling, kids can win $500 scholarships for college at larger tournaments. All right. Not a bad idea there. Thank you, Robert. And Tim Braden Jr., what's the contest for the giveaway tonight? Porn star athlete prize? Could be. You stay tuned, Tim. And we'll see what's happening. You can submit a question right through the Facebook page as well. Stick around. Be right back. This is Jennifer Polinus from Shalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? Eight I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hey, oh. Welcome aboard to 
the Barbecue Central Show. As I just mentioned, if you are... Is this wire showing? Oh, God, that's so annoying. I can't put my earpiece in this ear. So I'm going singular, and you can see on the green screen, you can see the tube right there. Oh, that's highly annoying. Very unprofessional. Uh, anyway, this is the Barbecue Central Show. Please, please, if you're getting this on podcast, don't forget to rate and review me. It does everybody a world of good. Everybody asking me about this shirt says... Uh, it's a big outline of the state of Ohio. It says, where I'm from. That's a Christmas present for my daughter, Bobby. Thank you. It's a little snug on me, but uh, that's all right. Shows off my musculature. Right? <laughs> musculature. Musculature. Still to come on the show tonight, the embedded correspondence segment. Everybody is looking forward to that. Where did my... There it is. So, I have some time here. Let me also pull up the... Again, if you want to leave a Facebook question in the live feed, it's got to be more than, let me see, uh, five words. What do we have here? Let's see. Can I make that go? Yeah, right, all right. Let's, let's, check, let's take some Facebook questions here right now. Here's Robert Coling. Hopefully, Greg's surgery went well. I'm going to get into that right now, Robert. That's a great question, and I appreciate you asking. Take that out. Already did that. Uh, guys in the back, if I've already asked these uh, questions, you can go ahead and remove those. That's no problem. I want to make sure that I'm getting up to speed here. Yep, ask that. I don't know what I did there either. All right. Here we go. How about leave topics they want to hear the correspondence discuss next time we are on? Yeah, not a bad idea. All right, hold on a sec. Let me get my picture up. A lot of people were asking me what exactly happened in the ear procedure. So let me get my ear picture up. Now, for those of you that are not uh, anatomically inclined, don't worry. And for the people that are listening on podcasts, which is 98% of you, don't worry. By the way, did I mention on Facebook Live or on uh, YouTube, uh, we do have a live chat as well. If you're in there watching through uh, YouTube Live, you can connect to that. You can connect on all ways to get the show live through my webpage now, thebbqcentralshow.com. There's a Facebook Live. There's a YouTube Live. There's audio stream live. So there you go. Now, let me flash this picture. So here is a anatomical picture of an ear, and you can see all the way to the left. If you're looking, is that left that you would be seeing it? Uh, you can see the outer ear that you would normally see, and then you have the ear canal or what we call the external acoustic medius. And then about halfway through, if you look down at the bottom, in the middle it says tympanic membrane, and that can be... Medically abbreviated as TM, you know that as an eardrum. And then right behind the eardrum, you have the uh, malleus and the incus. And then all the way in the back there, that two-armed uh, that, that two thing right there, it looks like it's got the, 
I don't even know what the hell, that round thing at the bottom that uh, sits right on the oval window. That's the stay piece. And then you can see that uh, if you keep following behind that thing that looks like a snail shell directly underneath that, that's the eustachian tube. So here's what's happening. According to the doctor, the eustachian tube, which it's not supposed to, was drawing or creating negative pressure or basically sucking back the eardrum. And all the way at the very top, a portion of that got sucked back in and caved back like a, they call it a eardrum attic. And at some point, a piece of skin somewhere got sucked into the ear, travels down the ear canal, and then gets embedded into that eardrum attic at the very top of the eardrum because, you know, there's a hole there. Not a hole, but um, like a attic you put stuff in well this stuff just happened to be skin now outside of the body the skin sloughs off falls down to the ground wherever it goes but no 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 here it's sloughed off and then it reattached itself and it grew over itself and it grew over itself well now we got an issue so while this was growing my eardrum was also perforating which means holes in it and i noticed like eight nine months ago maybe longer that the hearing was going down, but I heard some like squishing. So I thought maybe, hey, it could be wax, I guess. I don't know. But I, I didn't do it. But then the white noise came to this ear and it was like, shh, all the time. So when it was loud out, no big deal. Or not, not no big deal, but I didn't notice it. But when it was quiet or bedtime, then, you know, it's like the noise machine is on in the left ear. So I went to the doctor and he told me all about this clostiotoma that I had in the, in the upper part of the tympanic membrane. And he said, we're going to have to take that out because eventually it's going to grow back and eat away your facial nerve and you're going to have face droop or face drop on the left side of your face. And you won't notice that until you can't lift the left side of your face up, by the way. It then will continue into your head where it will infect your brain, ultimately leading to your demise. So they went in uh, through my ear canal with micro tools, as I believe is they're called. I'm out for this whole thing, by the way. And they completely took out the claustiotoma at the top of the eardrum. Then they completely took out the eardrum, took it out. Then went all the way back to the stapes that was decimated by this claustiotoma, evidently. And took what was remaining out, then put in a titanium prosthetic stapes. <laughs> if that isn't enough, they went back to the outside of my ear, took a bunch of cartilage while they were doing all of this micro tool work. The prosthetic doctors were in the back of the surgery room, flattening out this piece of cartilage and curing it. And then took another micro tool, took this cartilage, and now placed it in the place or, or in the position where the original eardrum was. They made a whole new eardrum for me. What? This is all happening in my ear. Not the biggest field to work in. Ear canal, inner ear. So I now have, not only do I look like a terrorist, 
I have to carry a prosthetics card because every time I go to TSA now, I'm going to beep in my head because I have a titanium ear bone, a titanium inner ear bone in my ear, and it will go off every time. So I have to show my prosthetic card plus new eardrum plus no claustiotoma. Did I mention no pain and no dizziness? Unbelievable. Now, let me go back to the picture really quick. You can see here behind the eardrum and then uh, heading to the external portion of the ear, all of these tubes are packed with gel foam. So on January 8th, they're going to stick some type of a vacuum or something in my ear to the eardrum and gently suck out that gel foam external ear side. But they can't do that on the in, internal portion or behind the eardrum. That has to dissolve on its own. That can take 12 weeks. Get that big stuff out of here. So the long and the short of it is that I'm really not going to have that good of an idea how good I can hear or how well I can hear until the stuff behind the newly fashioned eardrum actually dissolves. And then I should be able to have an idea of, of if I can hear it any better. And as the doctor told me a number of times leading up to this, you know, the goal isn't to get you to hear better or to get that white noise tampered down. It's to get the claustoma out of your ear because, you know, that can kill you like in 25 years. I mean, a long time from now. Secondarily, we hope to get the hearing up, you know, at least somewhat, if not, you know, 85, 90% of what it used to be. I mean, we'll see. But for now, we got the stuff that we wanted to do out. So that's what happened. In depth, in detail, did I gross you out? Did I bore you? I apologize. Don't worry. <laughs> Embedded Correspondence segment coming up next. Uh, gang, if you're looking to turn up the heat on your barbecue skills, not only this grilling season, but especially this winter, you're going to need to get your hands on the most advanced ceramic cooker and high-tech barbecue accessory to hit the market this year. I'm talking about the all-new Monolith Barbecue Guru Addiction and the CyberQ <laughs> Cloud Controller. Launched earlier in the year, the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic cooker and grill with a built-in power draft fan is going to give you the easiest, most successful barbecue experience. These must-have new items will make barbecuing easier than ever before. It'll be your new secret weapon for cooking delicious barbecue each and every time. Ready to buy? Of course. Head on over to bbqguru.com. Grab them up while they last. If you have any questions about what to order, call them. 800 288 G-U-R-U, that's 800-288-GURU, or visit the website, bbqguru.com, as I just mentioned. The other benefit is, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, if, if you have a Barbecue Guru pit temperature control controller already, that's all you need. All you have to do is take that controller, hook it to the fan that's built into the monolith, and you're off and running. Plus, it comes with a whole bunch of cool accessories the Monolith does, by the way. So it's up and running. It's ready to go. Head on over to bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU. It continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back right after this. Stick around.
the only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy those at Amazon.com as well. And don't forget, while you're at CookinPellets.com, to download the app. There's new products coming from CookinPellets.com that I know you're going to be very excited about once Chris Becker comes back on the show to announce. So stay tuned for that. All right, one of the fastest and most popular growing segments to date on this show. It is the Embedded Correspondence Segment. And we are joined, of course, by Steve Ray, Doug Scheiding, and David Huff. Gentlemen, appreciate you joining me this evening. Um, guys, can you believe the medical marvel that happened in my ear hole? Wow. Doug, uh, you're my best friend. What do you think about that? It's pretty interesting. I uh, I know actually some people that have some cochlear implants, so glad that you're able to at least hear out of that ear. Well, I can't hear yet, but I'm hoping to hear. Steve, <laughs> uh, you're my second best friend. What do you think? I'm just glad you didn't get a vasectomy. We'd be here all night. I did get a vasectomy like in 1997. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm glad you didn't get a kidney transplant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got rid of that stuff a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you can hear it. Yeah. Ears are handy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, guys. So this is the segment where we have you three come in and you talk about a hot topic or give us your hot take. I believe that's the sexy term that we're using here for the segment over the last number of months. Uh, I believe we start. Who do we start with last last month was it david anybody no uh, I, I think we david started with doug maybe. i think it was david it was okay all right uh so doug's turn, then. let's start with doug he's the official texas correspondent what's your hot take hot take it's hot into the year it's always the best list so i would like to uh for each of us to kind of rank in terms of the best or most prestigious your top five barbecue cookoffs that you think are out there. Okay, you um, go you ahead. Know, we've got, you know, we've got the majors, and then you know some other ones to consider. You know, World Food Championships, King of Smokers, Sam Sunnies, etc. So, my top five, excluding King of the Smokers, because really I'm not sure where to put that because it's you know 24 teams, and I haven't been there, but uh, I hear such great things about it. Uh, my number one is the Jack. Uh, just the the whole mystique and the hollow, and when you go and attend that cook off, you're treated like absolute royalty. So they do anything and everything, and a lot of activities. Um, just the town and everything. Houston Rodeo, I think it's like um, as my wife calls it, the barbecue gras. It's the royal on steroids. Um, I put Sam's number three. I like the multi rounds and having qualifiers and having to uh, to to do your best cook on several days. Uh, four, I I have the Royal and I have it combined. I know that Travis Clark said that the uh, I think that what the Invitational was was the high on his list. And mm-hmm. um, to me, I just since they're on the same weekend, the Invitational, the Open, um, to me they're they're kind of the same in significance. So I lump them together. And then I put Memphis in May as uh, as number five, just the showmanship and and it is unique. Um, again, it is. Uh, uh, slanted towards, uh, I think, some of the bigger name 
cooks. I will throw in that I think a wild card coming up um, is the San Antonio Rodeo because uh, as of this next next coming year it is going to be the largest cook in texas with over 300 teams so i think that's one to watch uh, here in the near term future all right steve uh give me your top four top five barbecue cook-offs uh american royal number one the um open uh, incredible number of teams incredible number of judges if you can if you can somehow be sifted to the top of that i think that's the the biggest uh, for me, the second, I think, I think I would say the Houston Rodeo. And Doug, I've never been there, but everybody that's there, I, I know I listened to the uh, the interview you did with Darren, um, Greg, and uh, he he just couldn't say enough good things about it. How amazed he was that he won it, and when he's amazed that he won something, you know, it's it's big. Um, and, and you know, I think um, Memphis in May. Probably pretty good. I, you know, I don't hold the jack that high. I think it'd be obviously it'd be fun to be invited, but uh, it is invitation only. Um, normally those normally those are usually the easiest to win. Uh, the The prize money is just it's just okay for what it for what they bill it as the you know the world champion, but you know still just a ten thousand dollar first place, which is nothing to nothing to to snob about. But uh, I just don't think it's um, until they raise the price on it or the the, uh, the prize package on it. I think it's I, to me it's just going to be down the list. David Huff. Yeah, you know, as a beginner um, in the barbecue, I have been to exactly zero of all the cont- uh, of all of the shows uh, that Doug mentioned. So I can tell you that in Oklahoma, probably the most prestigious. Um, or ones that are most well-known being the Royal, the Jack, and then Memphis in May. Um, I can tell you that I was fortunate enough to be in Vegas last weekend while the uh, National Rodeo Finals was going on, and they had the Downtown Throwdown Contest right off of Fremont Street. Um, I cannot imagine any contest having more entertaining people walking through the venue than the people that are regulars on Fremont Street and the things they will do for money is just unbelievable. Do you want to get you specific? Said <laughs> <laughs> let's just say there was a uh, yeah, let's just say there was an interesting couple that um, listed themselves as retired strippers and uh, a guy and a girl. And if they were ever strippers in their life, those years are long since past. Oh, hey now. You know what they say once you are a stripper, you are a stripper. <laughs> you do retire from that. That's right. Not that I know. Uh, all right. So I guess that leaves me, unless nobody cares what I think, but that's all right. Uh, number one, Houston Rodeo, absolutely. Number two, the Sam's Club or the National Pro Barbecue Tour. Uh, let's do this. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Not necessarily an exclusive news update, but we're going to quickly pull the panel here. Doug Shiding, yes or no, is Sam's Club coming back next year? Dead. Whoa. Get that big stuff out of here. Steve Ray, Sam's Club coming back in 2018, yes or no? No. Whoa! Can't pull it off. David Huff. Can't pull it off with the people they've got. David Huff, uh, Sam's Club coming back in 2018, yes or no? I'll be the optimist. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, David Huff, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess we'll see. It's not the New Year yet. Won't be the last. Not the New Year yet. All right. Uh, So I think the National Pro Barbecue Tour, um, at least for the past seven years, number two. Uh, Number three, I'm surprised nobody mentioned this because this is, you know, in the history of barbecue competitions, and I don't want to go back to KCBS solely, but when you look at some of the most historic barbecue competitions, this one, when you... For those that really know, the great Lenexa barbecue battle routinely has into the 70-plus, even 100-plus teams. Not huge payout, but again, a lot of mystique. Anybody can go, of course. It's not an invitational. I think that one uh, gets overlooked very easily. Great Lenexa barbecue battle number three. And then the next two, for me, easily I could be looked at as a shill here, but I think a King of the Smoker... Number four, now that is an invitational, so it's a lot harder to get into. There's um, not fast and loose ways of getting in, but uh, but it's not just a top 25 KCBS barbecue list either. Uh, you have to show consistency. You have to show batting average. You have to show amount of times in top 10 in regards to how many competitions you cook. So there are a lot of other things going on in the background there for you to have to get in there. But then once you look at the competition itself, from a logistics standpoint, ever since it opened from day one, it's been nothing but raved about. And then the competition level of the teams there, nobody is a slouch. You're cooking against literally the best of the best, whatever those top 24 teams are to that decision board each and every year. And the prize payout is really good. And it does a lot for charity as well. It's Casey Lee Ball Foundation and uh, that raised $164,000 uh, just this past month. So... Uh, that in itself is, is really cool. So I like King the Smoker. And then number five, any version of the guinea pig, I think, is kind of a game changer here because you are bringing down cost of competition or limiting cost of competition. Everybody's complaining about that. Uh, if you don't like the fact that you have to have meat supplied, which is part of it, then I guess you just don't sign up for it. But to me, those two are kind of uh, unique and uh, make the top five for me. All right. So uh, anything else, Doug? No, that's it. Steve Ray, take it away. Hey, this year, the team of the, team of the year race in KCBS, I don't know if it's just me and I'm, I'm just new to this, but to me, this is like this was like Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle's race to 61 in the early 60s. Clark Crew Barbecue cooked 47 yeah. contests this year, 14 GCs, 6 RGCs. Shake and Bake, 12 GCs. Four RGCs, 42 contests. Getting based at 43 contests, seven GCs, six RGCs. <laughs> Iowa Smoky D's, 36 contests, seven GCs, four RGCs. And I'm going to tell you the surprise, and I'm not just saying this because I want to get invited to the King of the Smokers, but Big Papa Smokers <laughs> cooked 25, he cooked 25 contests. Yes. Had seven GCs, two RGCs, and finished fifth. Moved by the way, moved up five or six places with his last RGC last week. Going into going mm-hmm. into last week, moved up five spots. And you know, I looked up I looked up uh, Clark Crew Barbecue's record since say from two thousand seven on up. They have won twenty five percent of the contest he's entered. That same period, I was Smokey D's twenty three percent. That to me. 
And you know, there there there's a golfer out there, fellas. His name is um, Eldrick Taunt Woods. A lot of people call him Tiger. He won twenty five percent of the golf tournaments he entered. So Travis Clark is up there with Tiger Woods in winning percentage. And to me, that is just that is an incredible, incredible statistic. And the statistics that he put up this year, I think I do think we may have seen the most epic barbecue year ever put together and what we'll ever see again for a long, long time. Oh, I, Steve, I uh, absolutely 100% agree with you. This was, from a KCBS standpoint, the most prolific competition season to date and probably the best singular season for uh, not just Travis Clark, but a singular season that a team has ever had with the amount of wins and top 10 finishes and category uh, calls and all that stuff. Uh, I mean... Any other year, guys, we're talking about Tim Shear, Shake and Bake Team of the Year, but it's not this year. I mean, it always has to come down like that, but any other year, Tim Shear wins this probably moving away pretty easily, but uh, Travis Clark just had an epic year. Doug, your thoughts? Yeah, I am. You know, being here in Texas, I am a life member of KCBS, but uh, uh I unfortunately I didn't pay attention to it until some you know other people were starting to talk about it and and uh, so it, it, to me it's just totally undoable you know Travis what he cooked 42 46 Steve in no 42 contests in 52 47 yep. now granted he might have pulled a couple double headers or and I heard of at least one triple header well, he did but still, the triple header but there's only 52 weeks in the year that's uh, to me that's just undoable and it's you know I just don't pay attention to it too much. What do they win? Does KCBS even really, you know, care that much about it? Seems like the cookers care a lot more about it than than KCBS. I don't think that there well, is a a, a mega. Pro- well, for years, I don't think there was anything other than a plaque. I think this year Smithfield does something for Team of the Year. I don't know if that's something that uh, is going to be sticking around or not. But I believe there is some type of cash award this year, if I'm not mistaken. Steve, do you know if that's the case or not? No, I don't. I just know at the banquet last year uh, when 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 Bling won it, um, I was there, and you know they kind of recognize him. They kind of make a big deal about it at the at the banquet, but it's um, you know it, it's nothing like you know I I told a couple people I've said you know his his poster ought to be hanging up in every Sam's Club um, along with um, um, Scott Smith, uh, you know to, as a marketing thing. Travis is. He's a very well-spoken uh, person. He he's a, he'd be a great person to speak to groups. Um, you've, you've interviewed him, Greg. He's a tremendous interview. I, you know, I, I don't I, I don't understand what why or what the KCBS has to do or why they haven't by putting these men out front, let them be spokesmen for their uh, for the uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society because they're great representatives and. Um, and there's a lot of people that that care about the, who won out there. And, you know, I care, and uh, I, I think I think if the general public were made aware that there is a big race, that they'd uh, they'd may pay a little more attention to it. David, Huffier. right? So that's yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that, that's my that's my point. If KCBS cared a little bit more about it, um, I think the general uh, certainly cookers would, and myself included, and uh, uh, to raise them up and and be a shining star uh, and you know, star of the competition barbecue. David Huff, your thoughts? I'm simply blown away. I mean, the contests that I participated in, although few and far between, the amount of work, 
I mean, I remember coming home and just being completely worthless, exhausted, couldn't move, tired. To, to do, what was it, 47 weekends yep. out of 52? I, I, I mean, the thing that I would, I, I would want to ask Travis, was it worth it? I mean, I know they're not out there doing it necessarily for the money. I know there's sponsorships and there is some prize money if you, you know, place uh, GC or, or RGC. But, man, I just can't. I, I, what, I, I believe his wife goes along with him. Isn't that correct? Doesn't she travel? Yeah, I think there's a lot of times when it's the whole family. It's not all the time. When yeah. you're doing 47 competitions in the course uh, of the year, I think it's him and, and maybe, maybe a kid um, uh, a bunch of the times, too. But it, most of the time it is. Uh, well, I think most of the time they try to keep it a family affair, but you're doing it that many times, you can't always be. Yeah, and I just couldn't imagine. I mean, my marriage wouldn't make it. Um, I j- just being gone so long and asking her to you know, stick by me when I come home and smell like smoke. I mean, it, I, I think to the other guy's point, it's, it's truly an awe-inspiring feat. I don't know that we'll ever see it again. Um, and I'm wondering with the amount of effort and work that that takes, if it's something that he would just, you know, okay, now it's done and let's get geared up again to do it for next year. I would have to think that now that he's he's got team of the year, maybe he's just a little less inspired to do it again. Well, when he won it two years ago, um, last year it was uh, Blaine Hunter winning it. The year before that, though, Travis Clark won, and it was quite a duel with American Dream Barbecue team, uh, that being David Qualls, uh, the, or David Christine Qualls, the American Dream Barbecue team, literally coming down to the last weeks of the year. And when I had had him on and I said, hey, are you going to be gearing up for a run? Because that's what I ask everybody when we do the team of the year uh, or the post-team of the year interview after they win it. He couldn't have answered no fast enough. And he didn't go out and, and you know break neck like he did the previous year. However... Still finished, I believe, top five KCBS overall. Still probably cooked more than 30 times. So still did a full season by most accounts, but nothing like he did this year. And he went in. This was this was singular laser focus this year going in to try and win KCBS. And he needed that. Otherwise, Tim Shear was going to win. Oh, he, yeah, he's amazing. It, He's he's amazing. Um, you can't you can't say enough about what he's done. Um, you know, apparently he's going to go into the restaurant business, so that's going to uh, take him out of the equation. But um, you know, can can anybody step up? Yeah, and you know what's amazing is, you know, he only won by a point. He only beat uh, Shaken Bake by a point. Right. Now I don't know. I don't know if that was because he he got to the uh, the maximum amount of points first. If you get like a bonus point for that, and you can't be caught. I don't know exactly how that works. But, um, you, you know, like you said, take away Clark. Shake and Bake's year was incredible. Getting based in 43, con- 43 contest. Mm-hmm. And, and, David, I agree with you. When I get home from a contest, I, you know, I'm whipped. I, I can't imagine doing, you know, doing 47 of them. All right, this is the embedded yeah. correspondence segment, by the way, if you didn't know. It's uh, very fast-paced, and it's uh, something that everybody is continuing to love. We'll get back with Steve, I'm sorry, with uh, David Huff's take here in just a second. Boys, I'm going to do some business. You settle down there. Oh, we should also talk about, oh, all right. Okay, I can fix that. David, I see your uh, thing. I can fix that.
Let me know if that's better. If not, I have a different idea. Guys, jump on the text and tell me if my... No, okay. I'm dumping everybody. I'm going to call you guys right back. Nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know. Hey, folks. Uh, Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. That's right. Whether you're cooking in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast, Eddie Morin, the FEC 100 and PG 1000, always customer favorites. PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing, with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962, or call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698, or visit the website, cookshack.com. All right, more embedded correspondence segment coming up. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. As I mentioned in the first hour, champion pitmasters are winning with Smithfield and You Can Too. Commit to cooking with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season, and you'll receive smoke and swag just participating. A few requirements. Pay a small shipping fee of 25 bones. Become a member of a sports major sanctioning body as well. Then come back and track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Walk-In with Smithfield incentive program. More on that to come. Once a Smithfield committed cook, show us your Smithfield with the hashtag show us your Smithfield on Facebook and Instagram limited to 500 spots. So hurry up, going quick. All right, uh, we are doing the Embedded Correspondence segment, and next up is David Huff. David, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Greg, uh, holidays are here, and the family, uh, friends come around a lot, and they're always asking me, what tips would you give me to cook better or to start off in the kitchen? And I know your audience is is vast, so there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of knowledge, and they're going to go, Huff, are you kidding me? We're not idiots, but... Just in case for some of the new people, uh, I'll share the three things that I always tell the people that ask me. All right. Um, first and foremost, you got to have the right tools for the job. Um, this starts with sharp knives, the right thermometers, the right cooking utensils. Uh, if you're like my wife, she goes to cut a tomato, a piece of bread, a chicken, 
uh, a celery. She grabs a steak knife, no matter what, <laughs> starts sawing away. And I'm always like, honey, you're not using the right knife. You're not using a sharp enough knife. I, I just can't stress, especially for beginning cooks, to... You know, if you want to get serious about barbecue, you're buying large chunks of meat, you're trimming fat off, you're you're breaking them down into smaller cuts. You got to have the right tools, and that's that's sharp knives, maybe even some poultry shears, and then of course a lot of your guests talk about thermometers, uh, leave in while they're cooking or instant read. There's no way to tell if your chicken's the right temperature, your pork's the right temperature if you don't have a good thermometer. So spend a little bit of money and get those things. It's going to help your cooking tremendously. Um, on that note, I know it sounds pretty elementary, but don't overcook your chicken and pork. Uh, boy, when I first started cooking, I did what my mom always used to do. Cook the chicken until it's done and then cook it 15 more minutes because <laughs> she was just growing up in a family of seven from Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of chicken and the mom was always overcooking it. And so chicken is done um, at, at 165. Uh, pork is done now at 145. Now there's a combination of time and temperature that will help get rid of, you know, all the nasties that are in there as far as worried about foodborne illness. But um, just those two marks are safe especially with the chicken get it to 165 not anymore if you're really daring you know 163 and let some carry over get it up there um, and that's going to keep your moisture content in and then the last one which i always tell my friends and i've told about 10 people this and they've always came back to me and said i never knew this what a lifesaver don't cook bacon in a pan use the oven put a cookie sheet down some aluminum foil Put the bacon on there, about 400 degrees, stick it in the oven. You don't make a mess. You don't have to clean your stove. It all cooks evenly. You can cook it to whatever doneness you want. Pull it out. You're good to go. Quit cooking. And you can still save the grease. If you want to use the grease later for cooking, just drain it off of the pan. Quit making a mess on the stove and cooking bacon in the pan. Use the oven. You will thank me for it. David, I have no argument here other than the bacon in the oven problem. I'm t I just did it over this past weekend, and my ex my ends, the, the top and the bottom ends, I don't know what the hell you call it, they burnt. 400 degrees, convection oven, aluminum pan foiled for neat and tidy cleanup on a baking rack, just like those people put the, their chicken on their cookers. I'm telling you, and it took forever. What am I doing wrong? Because I, I take issue with this. I, I don't know. Are you saying just the, the pieces on the end of the pan burned or the end of the bacon itself? Well, the, 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 t the head and the toes of the bacon burnt. So I, when you choose your bacon, I always choose thick cut, and I always try to get it as uniform as possible. Yes. And Greg, I don't know, because I've never had that problem. I mean, everybody I give this tip to, they cook it in a pan, and they, they come back to me. How have I not done this before? And you're not, using the, uh, you're not using the Gotham put bacon on its side pan that I see on this television no. all of a sudden? <laughs> no, and I don't. I mean, sometimes I'll put it on a rack just to let the drip. Uh, the grease drip away if I want to be a little healthier, but let's be honest, if you're eating bacon, doesn't matter. Put it right on the pan, let it cook, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, uh, it, it's going to cook even, um, and it's going to just be... It's it's going to be a game changer if you can get it and, and get it right. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you if it's burning. 
David, Doug, do you spray the uh, do you spray the pan with uh, like a Pam or any? Uh, <coughs> no. So here's what I like stuff. to do: I put the foil down, and then I actually take a sheet of um, parchment paper mm-hmm. and lay that down. And it does two things: uh-huh. one, it soaks up a little bit of grease, and two, it lets the bacon release right off. You just have to be careful because some parchment paper says it'll burn uh, at 420. Um, so you know you might want to cook the bacon at 400. But Greg, I use a convection oven as well. Mm-hmm. I lay it right on the pan and. <laughs> I will never cook it in a pan again. I'll tell you that. Not not on the stovetop. Always in the oven from now on. Steve, are you cooking bacon in the oven? No, I use a griddle. I've got one of those uh, little cheap electric griddles. I like to get out and uh, I cook mine on that griddle. It comes out great. Does that have a little Matter tilt fact, to I've it? Got some, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It drains down into that little uh, pan and it's fully submersible. The whole griddle, easy to clean up. Love it. I use it about four times over the holidays. I've got some uh, bacon in the refrigerator now. I'm, I'm I'm curing it myself. I've been watching some Malcolm videos on how to cure pork belly. Sam's I don't know about you guys. Sam's down here started uh, carrying pork belly. And uh, yeah, man, ours I too. Love it. I yep. love it. I love Costco pork belly. Costco too. Yeah, and uh, man, I made I made some pork belly buttons about three times this week over the over the holidays, and I've got it in the refrigerator now, curing with some salt and uh, pepper and. Um, Brown sugar, and I can't, I can't wait to get it on the griddle, man. Hey, Steve, are those also known as known as pork belly burn ends? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, no, I call mine oh, okay. pork belly buttons. Yeah, I'm yeah, I was just checking. I'm I was just checking. Or swine, or was was it Greg? Swine, swine cubes, uh, swine, swine cubes. Thank you, swine cubes, because because we don't want we don't want um, Doctor Barbecue to be texting and. And putting on Twitter bad things about the better cards. <laughs> hey, hey, Greg, you know, real quickly, also one more thing about cooking in the oven. It, it, yeah. You can do three or four pans of it, depending on the size of your oven. I don't know. I, I can usually only do about 10 strips on the stove if I have a really big pan, unless I want to get multiple pans out. I, I can do it all in the oven and cook for a large quantity. So if you have your whole family over for brunch, you want to make a lot of bacon, do it in the oven and knock it all out at once. How many pans are you putting in the oven? I can put four sheet pans in, in my oven because you don't need a lot of room. You only need to clear the sheet pan. So four sheet pans in the oven and cook it all at once. It's so like two on top, two in the middle. <laughs> Say again. Two on top, two in the middle. Uh, I have four separate racks, so I just put one on each rack. Oh, don't you have a problem with like one being down at the bottom cooking faster than the top or what or whatever? Do you have to jockey them around? I guess I do, is a better question. No, I do the I do the convection. So that air flows oh, okay. evenly across them all. All right. Uh, Doug, are you cooking bacon in the oven? No, I found it's just not as good, but uh, that's just me. So I'd rather cook it in a cast iron pan all day long on, unless I'm, you know, cooking for like 20 people, it sounds like David is, so with four pans. Well, I have a house full of women that really love bacon. My oldest it might be addicted to bacon because uh, she can eat pounds by herself. So I want to cook the maximum amount possible Uh, the stove isn't nearly as efficient to get a maximum out and i tried the stove this weekend plus uh every once in a while on youtube i watch epic meal time i don't know if you guys have any idea who they are but they are huge makers of bacon in the oven and i was inspired off of a memory and i said i'm gonna do it and here i got my tips all burnt and the middle really wasn't that good and it took like an hour i was very depressed uh, leading into a christmas weekend to say the least and it was you know Greg, good you quality end, thick do you, bacon do you cut one end of the bacon off before you cook and i always cook I always what? there's always a fat a real fatty end of the bacon 
I always cut that that part off before I put it in the no, oven. I sure don't. It shortens it up, but no. these, I put it on the stove. Right? This was real good cherry wood smoked bacon from Smithfield. It was thick cut, very even. I gauged everything because I didn't want to screw it up because I paid a lot for that bacon. And, mm. man, I'm telling you, a good quarter inch from the top and the bottom were just black. I had to snap them off and throw them out. And then the guts were just kind of okay. And, again, it took incredibly long. So I really want to master this. Um uh, but there's no other tips, David? You know what, Greg? What I'll do next time I do it is I'll take a picture of the bacon that I'm starting with and how I lay it out on the sheet pan in the oven and show yes. you the, fin- the, the final product. Um, the only other tip I would be is you can actually put the bacon in the cold oven and turn it on because as it's heating up and getting to temperature, that'll speed up the process and that'll help render more fat out of the bacon. Mm. All right. It's kind of like so a you boiling can put it eggs. in the cold oven. Yes, absolutely. Start with the cold pan of water. Same thing. Start with the cold oven. Put the bacon in there. Turn it on. While it's preheating, it's going to render a lot more of that fat out. I can't believe we are ending this segment talking about me cooking bacon poorly. It's kind of embarrassing, if I'm going to be honest. Greg eliminated that cooking rack. I wonder if the secret is the parchment paper. No, I think it's eliminate that cooking rack. Yeah, you got to eliminate that cooking rack because right, it's got. I'm, I'm when high. you're cooking it in the pan, you've got a lot of grease anyway, and even when mm-hmm. you, when you cook it in the oven, you've got a lot of grease. So you're eliminating some of the the even cooking by putting it on that uh, that cooking rack. All right, I'm going to take that cooking rack out, and it's going to be absolutely dynamite. All right, uh, here's my hot take. I want to uh, once again go around the panel, and you guys tell me best Christmas present or holiday present that you got <laughs> this weekend, David. Best present. Oh, man. Uh, I would have to say a gift card. Uh, Two of them. I know best present as a gift card, but still. Uh, One from a new Made in Oklahoma spice store that's got a bunch of new spices to try. And then the other one was from the cigar and whiskey seller. Uh, So those two things will go hand in hand, if you ask me. Steve, best Christmas present. I got a public address Speaker, a bullhorn from Sam. No, no, oh. I've got a bullhorn, but this is a huge speaker that that is a public address. It has Bluetooth capabilities, where you can uh, play uh, songs right to it yep. without being uh, hooked up to it. Um, it was really, really cool, and it was the first year I didn't get uh, a nine ninety five set of ceramic knives from Big Lots and an <laughs> apron that said "Dad's Rules the Flame." And that would thrill me more than anything. So can you hook a microphone up to this PA speaker? Mm-hmm. You sure can. Hook a microphone up. As a matter of fact, you can hook three microphones up to it. The, like it has XLR inputs? Mm-hmm. It sure does. Wow. So it, what are you going to use it's that? It's fantastic. Well, I, I do a lot of events down here in Udawah. You know, uh, oh. we need speakers to, uh, to you know, instruct teams what to do. And uh, I've got a, I had a little, I had a little uh, PA system. And uh, it worked fine, but this one is I like I like the uh, wireless um, Bluetooth for the music. Man, that you can be a sit back there and be a disc jockey with your uh, Spotify on your telephone. Doug Shiding, best Christmas gift. The best gift best. I got. Well, I have tchotchke and knickknackophobia at Christmas anyway. So the best gift I got from my wife was nothing. Which, in turn, meant that I had to wrap the new meter temperature probes that I got 
early in the month of December, which I bought, you know, back in June or so, I wrapped those up knowing that she was getting me nothing. And then I opened those on Christmas Day. It was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, did you order them like last February, like in 2016? No, I ordered them like in May or June. And those things have been out for 10 years. They're coming. They're coming. Oh yeah, there's they're coming and I actually saw the report that someone actually had received one back in May or something like that. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to buy them." So I bought two individuals and then I still haven't received the block unit which has the uh, the Wi-Fi built in, but um the Bluetooth is is uh, the meter unit uh, basically it's the wireless, you know, temperature probe for those of you that don't know about this, but um it the Bluetooth doesn't work real well. But uh, if you put like a, a device there that links in from a Wi-Fi standpoint, then I can use the app and control it anywhere uh, around my house. So it, it's actually pretty cool from that standpoint. From so a, I do like it. From a thermometer accuracy standpoint, is it accurate? Yes. Yeah, I have found it to be accurate. I've seen some reviews where it's either under-reporting, because it reports not only the temperature of the meat, but it also reports the ambient uh, temperature right at that position as well. Like inside the grill? Yeah. What? Yeah, so so let's say let's say it's three inches long. Yeah. The, the the probe you you put it in <laughs> right. So you, you put in two inches, <laughs> and, and then in one inch. One inch sticks out, and that one inch sticking out is measuring the ambient temperature. Really? Yeah. So you you, you report it reports both temperatures. So are and you? I found it to be. Are you trying accurate. to? Are you trying to stick it through the meat? To get? Well, I mean, if if you've got a brisket, no, he's or talking about the top end, like, Greg. The top of it sticking out like a turkey thermometer yeah. when it pokes out the top. That's that's measuring the ambient, and then the part that's in the meat is taking the meat temperature. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's high tech. No, it's pretty. It's why pretty would you, cool. Why would you, you want can, both? I mean, what, what's the purpose of having both? Well, if you if you if uh, you think you're cooking at 300 degrees, it's uh, yeah. it's not necessarily. 300 degrees at the grate it might be 325 at that part of the pit or or another temperature or even 275 mm-hmm. but i found it's actually a little lower than than what you think it is but um uh and you can set alarms on it and it, it's been pretty cool i like it what's the cost on that I, I saw it on facebook i believe they were right like a hundred bucks or so a piece no eighty bucks a piece Yes, each. God, I can buy uh, I can buy a thermopen for eighty five bucks. Merry Christmas to me. Merry That's Christmas. why I wrapped it up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no thanks to you, wife. <laughs> <laughs> I know Greg, your games. You uh, my cool. Well, I got a brand new eardrum and a stapies, titanium stapies. That was great. Um, and then I think my my favorite gift was I got an outdoor patio heater one of those big uh like aluminum umbrella things like they have at bars mm-hmm. uh, my wife got one down. of those Co- totally had me snowed had no idea it was coming usually she you know my wife is very pro christmas and she's like a kid uh always when the the presents are actually in the house she asked me like weeks in advance do you want me to give you a present and i'm like no i'll wait until christmas you know just like a normal human and usually she's force feeding me some of these presents, because she's just so happy to give them. 
But this one was like off-site, and she had to go through like somebody else's Amazon account, and it was a whole big situation, and they brought it in uh, yesterday morning, and I was like, whole, I mean, as uh, Clark Griswold said, if I would wake up with my head sewn to the carpet, I couldn't be more surprised. Uh, you know, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, wow, I can't believe. So, Have you fired it up yet? No, it's still in the box. Of course, everybody knows how handy I am. Not very handy. So in about four or five weeks after I get it put together, I'll fire it up and try it out. So is actually, there room on your back porch? Though? Oh, I've seen yes. pictures of your porch. Is, yes. there, is there room for it? Plenty of room for that. Uh, we're actually going to try Me and uh, Sheriff Corey are going to get it put together over the weekend and probably press it right into service. Uh, Christmas e- or uh, New Year's Eve, we're going to do a big pork butt cook. So we'll, uh, we'll give it a try. So that was my favorite. Christmas gift. I'd say that'd be pretty big in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh man, I'm telling you, it's uh, it's it's a high of 13 degrees today and tomorrow. So not very not very warm. We're freezing down here, and it was 47. (laughs) My my first competition was 42 degrees and freezing rain, and we put up a tent with three walls. And had I not had one of those with some Jack, well, it wasn't Jack, but it was whiskey to keep me warm, it would have been the worst experience of my life. They work very well. You're going to like it. Oh, well, I can't wait. Uh, We're talking with Steve Ray, Doug Scheiding, and David Huff, your Oklahoma Texas and Tennessee Barbecue Central Show official correspondence. Guys, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See you next year, Greg. Thanks. You got it. There they are. Thank you, Greg. Those guys. Oh, that's the... Where is it? Where? Oh, you got to be kidding me. Where is it? Contestants. Lori Povich. Oh, oh, I just launched right out of the damn thing. Here All we guests go. on the Barbecue <laughs> Central show appear via the oh, Smithfield Lord. Hotline. Yummy. There we go. That's it. All right. Folks, let me talk to you quickly about the pit barrel cooker. Look, gang, if you are trying to pull the trigger for the new year pit uh, pit get, if you will, let me strongly suggest the pit barrel cooker. It's simple and fun, unique, versatile, allows you a ton of consistency, not only consistency, but the capacity on this thing is absolutely ridiculous. The flagship model that you're seeing here in the video can hang eight racks of ribs. They've also just recently released the Pit Barrel Junior. That can comfortably do six racks, no problem. You could probably pack eight if you want, but don't forget you want some airflow on that. They have a complete line of accessories from coffee mugs to beer koozies to pit grips, unique removable lash pans, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates, everything you need to complete your pit barrel cooking experience available for sale at pitbarrelcooker.com. Of course, the best part is for $299, actually, both of them are in that $200 range. The Both pit barrels come fully assembled, ready to cook on, and ship free right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but everything ships free because there's so few returns. The folks at AmazingRibs.com continue to sing the praises of the Pit Barrel Cooker, so here's what I tell you to do. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. And be sure to check out their full line of how-to videos shot in high definition. Pick up one or two for yourself or pick up a full-size and then a junior and then use the junior for tailgates 
or smaller cooks or just to add capacity. Maybe you don't need two full size or maybe you don't want two juniors. You want one of each. I mean, you're still under 600 bucks when it comes right down to it and they're ready to cook on, as we always say. Wow, doesn't get any better than that. Mm. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com. See what everybody's talking about. 502-228-1222. 502-228-1222. Yes, they will talk to you. Real humans. It's probably a good chance you get Noah Glanville or Amber. All right, we'll wrap up the show. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right. Welcome back. Let me show you. Let's move this to the host. Now, get a Facebook question. We'll pop it up. Here's uh, Dean Simborski, sous vide bacon from Serious Eats. Not, from, not on my watch. Might have to have uh, Kenji Lopez back on the show talk about Serious Eats. Here's one from Doug, thinking that this was a text message. Not text message, Doug. That is a live Facebook post that you did right there. Plus, I don't really monitor the Facebook uh, too well when I'm doing the show. All right. Let's go ahead and get out of here. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Jess Priles, JessPriles.com, her website. New rub coming out, Hardcore Carnivore. Check out that website as well when it gets launched. The new book is out to pre-order right now on Amazon.com. JessPriles.com probably has links there as well. We'll link it up in the show notes. Then we had Brent Richardson running for KCBS Board of Directors. He's got a Facebook page. You can friend him up there and check out the platform. And then the second hour, the Embedded Show Correspondence segment. By the way, two of three thought the uh, National Pro Barbecue Tour was outskis for 2018, along with other stuff. Uh, Big show planned already next week. Thanks again to everybody again for checking up on me, uh, being out last week in the ear recovery. Certainly appreciate that, but we are rocking and rolling. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Ruffey, saying Happy New Year and good night now.